Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson. And I'm Sam Hoganson. You ready to get started? Let's send it. Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 29. It's been a little while since we've posted a, a regular episode on the podcast, but uh, we did have that YouTube live event a, a couple, two, three weeks ago now for the NFL draft. And obviously want to thank all of you guys that attended that or watched that, watched the replay of that. Um, appreciated all the support and interaction and engagement. We'll definitely do something like that again soon. Um, but let me bring in my co-host, Sam, how are you doing tonight? Doing all right, Connor. Not too bad. Happy to be back on on the podcast platform here, and we've got a back lot on to the talk airwaves. About. Oh yeah, we have a ton to talk about tonight. But I guess first off, what are you sipping on? Yeah, uh, I'm back on my Scotch ways. It's just it's Scotch night in the Fredrickson household, so I'm enjoying some Glenlivet right now. I might finish off this bottle. Last Is this still the one here. that Nick got you? Yeah, it's this last little bit. Man, I've, I've you only really been sipping. Oh man, I've only been sipping on it for podcasts like every once in a while. I was so. gonna say it's you've been drinking that for five podcasts in a row or something. Yeah, well, I mean, not in a row, but like, yeah, it's probably been a drink on five podcasts yeah. over the past couple of months. So yeah, no, it's good stuff. It's it's tasty. I probably will finish it tonight though. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna milk it as much as I can over the next hour or two. Nice, Sam. Yourself? I am switching it up to my number two whiskey here bullet bourbon mm. I'm a bit, if, that's like when i'm feeling a little bit fancier <laughs> pinky a, up maybe a little bit yeah a little bit of pinky <laughs> up action and then of course i'm mixing it with some of your boomerang a little bullet Mixes boomerang well action that. it's really oh, yeah. good really yeah. really good bullets so. bullets one of my favorite it's it's the bullet bourbon you said yeah, yeah bullet bourbon is one of my favorites with the boomerang i think yeah. so that one it's, in Makers is pretty good too with it. Like just like if you're talking like you know mid shelf like solid whiskeys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure. No, I totally agree. Jack Daniels is just too good on its own to mix it with anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Katie's dad might have something to say. They'll probably be texting me tomorrow. Like the hell are you talking like why is he so gung-ho on jack daniels well i don't understand wild turkey wasn't that what he was telling me about it's not that much it's not you're right you're right i see him sit next to each other on the shelf every time yeah he has a special place for wild turkey and he 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 doesn't drink that straight though he likes to mix it like yeah but yeah listen i can understand a man like that i mean we just you know we have our ways if he he's a wild turkey guy and i'm a jack daniels guy i can't talk shit i'm the only one in like of our friend group that drinks henry weinhardt's because it's it's my dad's beer and that's that's just what i drink like that's That's what you do that was my beer that whenever i was living at home that's like what we had so grew up on jack daniels that's just the way that it is (laughs) see (laughs) it's just a tradition a tradition unlike any other yeah. Uh, well, like like we said, we have a ton to talk about today, obviously, because it's been a little while. Um, mostly going to be centered around the Seahawks draft. We're going to recap that. Obviously, we talked the first round. The Seahawks hadn't picked yet. So we're going to talk about the draft picks that the Seahawks had. Um, all three of them. 
Husky spring game happened in between our last recording and now. So uh, I actually went to that. So I'll obviously kind of share some of my insight and thoughts on, on the event itself and what I noticed being at the spring game. And then Sam, I know watched a replay of it. They have, if you guys haven't watched it yet, you should go back and watch. They have the spring game on YouTube right now. So if you're interested in watching some of the Husky players um, and we'll have more to talk about that later, but yep. And then we'll just have some general Mariners updates today. Mostly just want to check back in on our predictions and see kind of where big news. And then we also obviously have very big news with the Mariners that we'll share in a little bit as well. That's right. Stay tuned for that guys. You probably have already heard at this point, but anyway, we'll have our comments to share about, about that news. Um, Before we get into Seahawks stuff here and, and recap the draft, Seahawks related news here, but not really related to the actual football team. One of the players, DK Metcalf, obviously took took uh, part in a track event, 100 meter dash in one of the Golden Games like meets this past weekend. It's an Olympic um, trial meet. Was it an Olympic trial meet? Okay, yeah. yeah. It, so, um, and obviously, kind of like it looked like it was kind of like a PR thing, and like that he was like just doing it kind of like to put his name out there, but like he had a, I mean, sure. He was last in his heat, but like he had a, he kept up, like he held his own. And I, I think Sam, you like had some really strong thoughts about this, just like how impressive it was that uh, like that caliber of athlete that doesn't do something like that is able to compete at that high of a level in, in a sport that isn't their first basically. Yeah. I mean, so we're talking about an Olympic trial meet. I think that there was 13 or 14 runners in two heats. It was, there was nine in his, I think, I think there was like, I think it was two heats and nine. So I think it was like 18 runners. And didn't he, didn't he end up with like the 14th fastest? Yeah. He was like 13th 13th or 14th, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, right there, you know, right behind the middle of the pack. And again, like, this is the Olympic trials mm-hmm. of those 14 guys. That's going to be your Olympic team for the USA. Like well, these the are Olympic the trials qualifying meet, right? Like it's not the actual trials. Yeah. But yeah, he, that's he was trying, he was trying to qualify for the trials though. So yes. Yeah. Good clarification. But the point is, is like realistically the guys that he was running against are Olympic caliber athletes, pretty Correct. much. And they have dedicated their life to sprinting a hundred meters, probably since high school, maybe even, you know, probably before that Mm -hmm. DK Metcalf from what I was reading, hasn't run track in any level. And since high school, and he was at that point, not even doing a hundred meters, he was running hurdles and like long jump, I think. So you're talking about someone that probably trained for this race. I don't know. A couple weeks maybe a month maybe i think it was months. like a month or, it was like a month or two but still like very not very much training for something like that yeah and he's you know largely regarded as one of the bigger wide receivers in the nfl he's big for that position he's a fucking giant when it comes to sprinting <laughs> yeah. he's 240 pounds what is he six three six four six three or six four yeah and when you watch him again, like go on YouTube and watch the race if you hadn't, if you haven't already, because he looks like a monster. And just again, like really blown away that he 
he looked like he belonged. I mean, he finished, did he finish dead last? He was kind of like neck and neck with that last. Yeah. He would, he would, he, he ended up being lost in his heat, but yeah. But I mean, 40 to 60 yards, I thought he was right at the front of the race. Right. And, and you're right about that. And I think that's the most impressive part, honestly, because, and you mentioned his height, like sprinters aren't typically over six foot or like not much over six. Yeah. Like Usain Bolt was a, exception to that role in a major way and one of the things on that note you'll notice about usain bolt he comes on later in the race yeah he's not fast out of the blocks what dk was really impressive about is his acceleration out of the blocks and the fact that he was with guys from 40 to 60 meters and maybe that's just the football background in him like he's used to like a 40 yard dash type thing type environment probably better at starting stopping acceleration's probably better right but that's that's what's most impressive to me is the fact that he was able to get out of the blocks at that frame with all of these Olympic caliber athletes and not like be fr- be behind the entire time. Like he kind of trailed off towards the end, just an endurance like sprint type thing. But it was it was that first like 40 to 60 meters that impressed me the most. Just again, like that he got out that quickly. Yeah, I mean, if he trained for it for a whole year and dropped 20 pounds he might he might win that race i don't know if i'd go as far as saying that he would win it but he would for sure um he'd be he would be more competitive than he was yes i don't know man oh so much of that i mean you should know you were a runner how Mm -hmm. much of that is technique especially down the stretch yeah no for sure i mean it's with your heel drive and everything like i don't really even know what i'm talking about but i know that there's a lot of technique in that i've been a sprinter since middle school so i i don't have a lot of sprinter terminology in me but i mean i know that the start is a huge thing and then yeah um i mean there's a lot more training that goes into it than what you would think as far as just like drive power obviously like most of the techniques stuff happens at the start of the race um just with getting out of the blocks and kind of like as you you see guys like kind of like go from down low to like full like extension like yeah standing straight up type thing so there's technique in that as far as just like the timing timing wind resistance like what kind of like how your body moves at like the height that you're at. Um, And I guess that's, that's again, just like why I was so impressed with DK just because he was able to keep up without, with very limited training in that type of scenario. And he never even like, this isn't just like limited training. Like he like, like used to run track and was getting back into it. Like this dude never ran track in high school or college. Yeah. So he's basically like people in the NFL think I'm fast. Right. Let's go see how fast I really am compared to best of the and best. He's, and he's fast. <laughs> and he's really 10, six fast. Is, is fast. Like, but I think that's the interesting thought though, is, you know, he's for sure in the upper end of fast football players in the NFL. Yeah. I don't think that he is top five fastest and he's maybe not even top 10. There's a lot of those obscure guys that aren't really big name NFL player, but it just have wheels. Mm-hmm. So like, I think if I'm looking at this, you know, we have all these crazy boxing matches with the Paul brothers and like, yeah, 
Conor McGregor fighting Mayweather, these, this like, oh, let's test MMA boxing ability across sports. Like, I love seeing like seeing things like this and watching DK hang in there and knowing that he's not even probably top five, maybe top 10 fastest guys in the NFL, I think gives a lot of respect to the speed that these NFL players have. And I think it was on the um, Pat McAfee show or whatnot. He was saying, Mm -hmm. if you created a country just out of NFL players, he thinks that they would be a really solid country in the Olympics. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. I think you have, some guys that would be good in sprinting. I think you have, I mean, you could feel the pretty good basketball team. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. But I just think, I, I, I don't know. I think it's fun to be imaginative about it. And, you know, somebody like a Tyreek Hill or a John Ross on the track. Whew, yeah. Now you're talking, but I thought it was fun. I do think that, you know, I didn't get the vibe that it was a huge like PR stunt that you were talking about. I thought, that it really was DK just kind of like having fun and living life to the fullest and taking advantage of obviously, you know, the play that's going to be replayed in history, him tracking down Buddha mm-hmm. Baker and kind of taking advantage of that hype and see what it's like running against the best. And I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I think he definitely showed well and didn't look like a fool. So I think, that's definitely a feather in his cap. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, and I'm not trying to um, diss on him that like it, it seemed like a PR thing, but it just like, I mean, it just was kind of out of nowhere. Like, it yeah. just kind of like it, it seemed like um, something that he was just like trying to kind of get eyes on him for something. But um, I mean, he held his own. So like, I, yeah. I, I think there's that, I'm not going to talk ill will about DK Metcalf for going out and trying something that, yeah, um, that a lot of other players, like you said, probably wouldn't have the balls to do it. So, um, pretty cool. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool. I, I'm just really glad that he didn't get injured. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that was the nightmare in my head. That like when it when I first heard about it, I was like, just don't get injured, dude. Like, all, all good. Just don't get injured. <laughs> do you think the Seahawks signed off on it, or do you think he just went and did it? I could see Pete signing off on that. Yeah. I think, I think with, he seems like the type of coach that would like, there's a precedent for it. Like Marshawn kind of, you know, went to the beat of his own drum and was like, I'm not getting on the plane. Like, I don't feel good. I'm not going. Mm. (laughs) Pete kind of gives his guys leeway to do, do things like that, which I think the professional football players, I think that really resonates with them. And for the most part, they enjoy playing for him because he is such a player's coach. Yeah, at least he's not going ATVing. That's all I'll say. Speaking of which, I'm pretty sure Malik got picked up, didn't he? He got either signed or he was trying out somewhere. I think it was like the was it the Browns or something? I think so. You look that up. But yeah, let's let's go ahead and pivot here to Seahawks draft stuff. Um went in with three picks. I think all of us you, me, and Justin thought there's no way they end the draft with three picks. They're going to end up with at least five, maybe even yeah. six picks. They'll trade back a few times, but which they did. They did trade back, um, but they ended up trading back up again. So they ended the draft with 
albeit but three picks. So <laughs> don't have a long list to go through tonight, no. um, which keeps this conversation a little bit shorter than it could have been, but also allows us to maybe delve a little bit deeper into each of these guys that they picked up. So I think we just, I, I think we just go in order here probably yeah, uh, when they were picked. So second round pick, um, that was the pick that I think a lot of us thought that they would trade out of. That's, that was their most valuable asset at that point in the draft. You would mm-hmm. think that they would trade back from that to garner either one or two additional picks. Um, but they ended up sticking where they were and they picked a wide receiver by the name of Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan, really small frame guy, five, nine, one ninety. Um, Super fast though, four three nine forty. We were just talking about DK speed. This guy has that kind of speed as well, um, yep. and possibly, I mean, possibly even better speed. I don't know, but he's he's got a little bit younger legs on him, so who knows? Or actually, they might be about the same age because he's a little bit older. He's a five year player. He's like twenty four. Yeah. They so, probably are pretty similar. Um, but big play guy. Um, and he averaged uh, around nineteen yards per catch over his five years at Western Michigan. Um, So that's one of the more impressive stats about him. But um, a guy that I'm really excited about, I don't know about you, Sam, but I want to hear your kind of general thoughts about one, going wide receiver with this pick, and two, what do you think about the specifics of Dwayne Eskridge? Yeah. What he brings. I mean, I think we, we, we talked about it, like third option at wide receiver was something that needed to be addressed. Yep. And... I think during our, our live broadcast on YouTube, we were talking about Rondale Moore from Purdue was somebody that you were really high on mm-hmm. and really a similar player here. And yep. you were kind of, you know, looking for, you know, a Waldron type, you know, change of pace, gadget wide receiver for sweeps, for bubble screens, you know, how we've seen Shane Waldron use wide receivers in the past at mm-hmm. LA Mm-hmm. And obviously Rondale Moore was off the board. I think he went 46th or 49th. And yeah, he was mid second round, I think. And Dwayne Eskridge really brings the same, the same element to the game. And mm-hmm. I think you're going to see him be really explosive with the ball in his hands. And I know we were texting back and forth on draft day number two about the pick. And quite honestly, I see a lot of similarities between Eskridge and Tyler Lockett when Lockett was coming out of college Mm -hmm. really small undersized but very quick Eskridge is probably faster than Lockett was straight line speed but I think you're gonna see Eskridge be used very similarly to how Lockett was used early in his career Mm -hmm. kind of as a third option wide receiver to start really have a presence in the special teams game in terms of kick returning I know that he wasn't a punt returner at Western Michigan, but the Seahawks, when they went to his um, pro day, specifically asked him to field punts. So don't be surprised to see him there as well. Yep. But I think it's a really good pick. It, it addresses a position of need. I think, you know, he's a player that comes from a small school. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And again, I think not only do you get, someone that can come in and push for that third spot at wide receiver. But anytime you can get versatility in the special teams game, I think is only just another positive element. So I'm, I'm happy with it. And I think 
it'll be exciting to see what he looks like in preseason. Yeah, for sure. He'll have some good opportunities in the preseason to kind of show, show his skill set. I, I just am very excited about his potential in an offense like Shane Waldron's. If I'm just like thinking of the Rams offense yeah. and thinking of like a Robert Woods type or someone like that. Um, and he just seems like he has the potential to fill those types of shoes really, really well. And um, you mentioned the the return game. I think he's definitely going to factor into that, um, whether it's kick or punt returns or both. And most of all, he's just, he's a yards after catch guy. Like this yeah. is your, like, like we said, like the, your fly sweep guy, your end around guy, your wide receiver screen guy. And he can also take the lid off of a defense though. He can blow the top off. I think off. that's really important when you have that threat alongside someone like DK, you know, right. I think where you were going was I think the three of them together mm -hmm. complement each other's games in a major way. They do. And they're all, they're all above average in speed. And two of them are probably elite, elite. speed, right? Yeah. Like as far as just like Tyler's probably taking a little bit of a step back as far yeah, as straight line speed. Um, and especially just some of the injuries that he's had to his lower body. But um, I mean, this is one of the faster wide receiver groups now in the NFL and mm -hmm. they're going to give a defense a lot of problems. They have a lot of options now. Having a third wide receiver is so valuable in today's NFL. And yeah. we have not really had a consistent, consistent or reliable production from that position. Um, probably since like early Russell days. Yeah, with like Sidney Rice, Golden Tate, Golden Doug Tate, Baldwin. Doug Baldwin, Jermaine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, but I mean, and I talked to you about this a little bit off mic, like that wide receiver three through five, three through six, whoever, however many they end up keeping wide open right now. I mean, they have a couple guys coming back. Freddie Swain obviously was kind of the guy that was waiting in the wings to be the yeah. third wide receiver before this pick. I think I, I do think Dwayne Eskridge probably is your third wide receiver. Um, if I were to pick today, but, um, that 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 room's wide open. They had a couple notable undrafted signings too that we'll talk about in a minute that may factor in as well. So yeah, for sure. And I think if I'm putting my Justin Geiger hat on really quick, what he would <laughs> what he would really call out here is he's a big fan of running levels, play yeah, levels, pass plays. And what he means by that is having threats both in the short passing game, mm -hmm. the intermediate, middle passing game, and the deep threat. And I think, again, the way that they complement each other is DK really is your take the top off the defense guy. Sure. Eskridge can do that, but that's like DK's bread and butter. He's faster than mostly everyone on the field. He's bigger. He can you know, go up and high point the ball downfield mm -hmm. with body control. Lockett has really just aged really well in the league. Like just from being more of a gadgety guy early in his career, he's you know, being as small bodied as he is, his game is possession. He really is. His body positioning, I he, think he shields the ball so well when the ball's coming in, yep. catches everything. So I think that's kind of your middle of the field route running, you know, runs any route on the route tree guy. Mm -hmm. And then I think Eskridge is probably more of your shorter, get the ball in his hands in open space and see what he can do with it. Obviously, Metcalf can do that as well, but I think the strengths of each of these three receivers are different. 
and mm-hmm. each of them hit on different levels of the playing field. And I think that's going to be potentially really exciting to watch. Yeah. So Waldron and Russell obviously have new a, a new toy to play with here. And is Russ happy? Thing. I would I would think so. He should be. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. I mean, I I I think it's a solid pick. And I think the the two biggest, I mean cons i guess if you were to bring them up would be he's a little bit older i think he's 24 so he's a five-year player um but i think that's something that pete and john are valuing in this draft but just because it's a year of not being able to evaluate guys very closely so they wanted someone a little bit more experienced ready to plug and play um and he's obviously just a little bit smaller but his size also i think works to his advantage and I mean, his, his strengths are also directly related to his, his smaller stature. So um, really excited to see what he can do in, in, in a Seahawks uniform. And obviously we're still a few months away from being able to see these guys suit up, but that first preseason game will be interesting to see some of these rookies play. All right. Next, next guy, unless you had anything else to say about Dwayne Eskridge. No, you're done. Cool. Next, uh, next pick was in the fourth round. Um, they had traded like back and then traded actually, I think this was their original fourth round pick. I can't remember. I think they ended up with either a fourth or a fifth when they traded back from, for, um, oh no, they did trade back this pick. This, this is the fourth round pick that they traded back. They traded back in the fourth round, Mm -hmm. but anyway, um, (laughs) they picked cornerback Trey Brown out of Oklahoma um smaller stature guy again <laughs> and not really like a true seahawk corner that we're used to seeing um but i think this pick trey brown owes dj reed some that's what favors. i was gonna say yeah like because i think dj reed opened pete and john's eyes to hey like we can you know be fine at in the secondary with smaller cornerbacks, like we can teach our techniques to smaller cornerbacks and they can still be effective if they have like these other skill sets, like they, maybe if they're a little bit better at like jumping or like they have um, uh, really good ball tracking skills or something like that, which Trey right. Brown seems to possess some of these attributes that they look for um, if, if they don't have that size and long arms that they typically like. Interesting pick though. I mean, it, a three or four i think he's a three-year starter four-year starter yeah he Oklahoma. played a lot very experienced and obviously played in a bunch of big games being at a school like oklahoma and gone up against some of the best receivers in uh the league even today like when mm-hmm. he was in college um i i'll see if I, i'll try to find this tweet that was like one of the things that attracted me the most is just like some of the guys that he's gone up against i don't know really how he's done <laughs> against them i guess yeah is the caveat to that but um he's for sure faced some really tough competition in the past and has experience going up against nfl caliber receivers yeah i think you know anytime i see a defensive pick coming out of oklahoma i'm initially pretty skeptical of it yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> just being so. totally honest yeah. Um, well, they got Alex Grinch coaching over there too, too. So former Coop. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I like the pick, and you stole the words right out of my mouth. I think Sorry. you're looking at a DJ Reed clone right here. Mm-hmm. 
Trey Brown's probably a bit faster. He also ran a pretty blazing 40 time, I think four, four, two. And similarly to Dwayne Eskridge, Trey Brown can return kicks as well. So I think again, you get some of that special teams versatility, which I think is just so important with these draft picks, really, unless you're picking at the top half of the first, you know, first round, a lot of the, you know, path to playing time and and path to contributing to the NFL as a rookie is on special teams. So you get two guys that are special teamers and, you know, obviously have a passion for that because they've succeeded in it and the college ranks, I think is really important. Um, Yeah. I like it. I'm trying to, you know, build a defensive backfield, I guess the corner position for the Seahawks next year. And obviously DJ Reed, I think is cemented in there, mm-hmm. but similarly to what you were saying with wide receiver number three, four, and five, six, I think your corners outside of DJ Reed are probably pretty wide open. I mean, Shaq Griffin still hasn't been signed or no, he, unless he, got, he did. He, got today. Some of the Jaguars. he did. Yeah. That was pretty early in free agency. Oh, it was? Oh, yeah, Shaquille. Shit. He got a pretty big contract. Too. It was like three years, $45 million. That's weird. I thought I saw an article yesterday. Maybe it was, that was an Shaquem. old one. Oh, Shaquem. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can understand how I get those two mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> they look kind of similar, too. Yeah. Yeah, they are twins, so <laughs> that happens. <laughs> and they both have their first name starting S-H-A-Q, so my bad. Mm-hmm. Anyways, getting back to the point of, you know, how does our corner lineup look? DJ Reed, I really like Akello Witherspoon, I think mm-hmm. is going to fit that starting outside corner in that Sherman Griffin mold. I think he's going to fit our defensive scheme really well. And I've been a fan of his since the Huskies played against him when he was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really good player. Um. So maybe Trey Brown is your nickel guy? Possibly. I mean, he's definitely got the frame for to play slot. Um, yeah. He's primarily obviously played outside, though, with Oklahoma. Yeah. So you have, um, like, Marquise Blair in the mix. Yeah, Blair's in the mix. Ugo Amadi's still there. Yeah. So. It'll I be mean, interesting. Hope... I, think it's, I think it's pretty wide open, to be honest. It is. It is. And they were really excited about Blair last year before he got injured and he obviously started that atlanta game right before he got injured which Um, i think is really interesting i because marquise blair was primarily a safety like a hard hitting thumper safety safety at utah and Mm -hmm. so making that transition down to nickel i i didn't know that he had that you know short area quickness required for that position. Yeah. But obviously they were super high on him. They're really stoked about him. So obviously we'll see how he comes back from injury, but he was like basically supposed to be your breakout player on defense last year. What was um, his injury again? Do you remember? I don't off the top of my head. Wow. I'm butchering my typing. So you'll probably beat me to it. <laughs> Um, was it an ACL? Yeah, I'm not finding week, it in week two against the Patriots. Yeah, he tore yeah. His ACL. yeah, I mean, he's still and he's obviously a candidate to break out this year. He, I, that was week two of last year, so he should be fully he should healthy. be good to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, Trey, Trey Brown will definitely factor into I think both. Like, I, 
<laughs> kind of a, a weird uh, parallel here that we obviously have another corner that we've talked about from Oklahoma on this podcast in Bookie Bradley Hiles for Bookie. U, for for UW. Who we'll and probably talk about later, I imagine. We will. Yeah, we will. Um, and another smaller guy and another experienced starter guy um, who is also competing at nickel, but you know, he could slide elsewhere if like cam fab or something like that beats him out. So yeah. anyway, um, back to Troy Brown. I'm ex- I, I think it's a, I think it's a good pick. I, they needed to address corner. They needed depth there. I think the big thing that Justin brought up, which was a really good point on the last time that we were talking about Seahawks was that we don't have any, I don't think we have any corners under, under control. Like, after this year like we don't have anyone signed past this year in the cornerback room so they needed someone to like bridge that and chances are they'll probably re-sign one or two of the guys that they have currently but just having a rookie that you know is on a four-year contract like going over the next like several years is something that you can have in your back pocket obviously and trey brown i think is going to compete right off the bat and could potentially could potentially play day one so yeah i think the dark horse in that room too is there's some smoke around richard sherman maybe coming back too that would be interesting there is yeah for sure and we'll obviously we'll keep an eye on that and uh, he's still unsigned and basically the two teams that he's been talking to recently are the hawks and the niners um so we'll see what comes of that and uh, Sherm's been a little bit more outspoken about how like the doors open and stuff. And Pete, Pete has said like the doors open and stuff, but he's also said, we're not really looking for a corner right now. So yeah. I, the money's definitely got to be right. And I don't um, think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked if it did. Yeah. I think it depends how long Sherm waits. Like if he waits into training camp and like is trying to take advantage of maybe like an injury happens or something like yeah. that and sign on with the team then, then maybe, you know, if, if one of our guys gets injured, then I could see something happening. But I, outside of that, I'd be pretty, pretty surprised, even though I'd love to see it. So, yeah. Uh, uh, last pick was in the sixth round, Stone Forsyth. What a name. Um, huge. <laughs> so, Massive, like, dude. Like the in- direct antithesis of our first two picks. They either go really small or really really big offensive tackle out of florida six eight three oh seven and likely could add pounds there yeah um, he is like a very lean mm-hmm. 307 and um looks a little bit like the rock and his name is stone so <laughs> kind of interesting there um he does i'm looking at his picture now i didn't even yeah draw that connection but yeah shave his head a couple of tats you got Dwayne the rock johnson yeah and I think he was, I think they had a picture from like a Halloween, like a few years ago where he dressed up as the rock and stuff too. It was kind of That's funny. awesome. So, um, he definitely owns that, which is great. I, this is like a, this is an upside pick. This is a guy yeah. that um, it's, it's an offensive, he's offensive tackle. Um, but you're looking for maybe a possible Dwayne Brown replacement down the road, basically um, not going to factor into this year, unless there's like catastrophic injuries across the offensive line but for sure a development guy and um, seem, I mean, 
people were surprised that he lasted this long. People thought that he would go mid rounds, probably third mm-hmm. or fourth round. A lot of people had grades in, in that fourth round on him. Um, but he, you know, fell, fell to the sixth round and that's why the Seahawks traded up to back up in the draft to get him and, um, could really pay off. I mean, it could be a huge, huge upside pick for them if, if he develops well. And, you know, if, if Dwayne Brown calls it a career over after the next couple of years and he ends up sliding in at left tackle and you have a starting left tackle out of it, that's, I mean, that's. All you can ask for. That's just gravy out of a six round pick, man. So, Oh yeah. And again, like can't emphasize enough. This is a steal getting him Mm -hmm. in the sixth round, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously Seahawks management thought, thought that way in order to move up in the draft to get him. Yeah. I'm sure they had a high grade on him and just, you know, Oh my gosh, he's here in the sixth round. Like this will be worth it to trade up. So I think it's it's an exciting development pick, like you mentioned. You know, that big of a body and still lean and nimble is mm-hmm. there's not that many people on planet Earth. And so I think if you can get one on the squad and be able to sit and learn behind an all-time great like Dwayne Brown. Oh yeah. It's a good situation for Stone for sure. And he could easily add 15, 20 pounds and still be moving fine. Yes. Yeah. Um based on what I've seen of his, his athleticism. So the other thing that I'll, I'll point out here before we move on, Sam, to some of these undrafted guys, Stone Forsyth is much better at pass blocking than he is at run blocking, yes, which that is, is what a they very say. intriguing um, development as well, I think, just as far as like what they're looking for and possibly their future offensive linemen. Um, so, so little little nugget that i'm sure justin's happy about and we're kind of you know so long as he develops his 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 run blocking i'm cool with it he's a massive guy like he can definitely get in the way yeah Um, he's he's got to bulk up a little bit i think to kind of take on some of the premier defensive linemen in in the nfl but um he definitely has room to grow into that into that frame so for sure all right, some of these undrafted guys, and there are definitely a couple of very interesting names on this list. I think I'll we'll, we'll start off with the most interesting wide receiver Connor Weddington, a very familiar name if you're a Husky fan as well. Um, originally was committed to the Huskies, if I'm not correct. He was, or, yeah, he was committed to the Huskies, and he was like the biggest recruiter within the class, trying to get all the other local kids to join him to UW, mm-hmm. and. I was shocked when he decommitted. Yeah. Not surprised when he got admitted and offered a scholarship by Stanford. He was a highly regarded academic student in high school. And so I Mm -hmm. think that meant a lot and kind of turned his head. But I mean, he was all dogs until that happened. Yep. He was in the same class with Savan too. Yeah, I think you're right. And so we were looking at bringing both of those guys in and yeah. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Yeah, he ended up being a pretty damn good player for Stanford. So um, I think we we definitely missed out on one there. But um, obviously have a second chance here with the Seahawks, and we'll see if he catches on. Um, su- superior athlete, a really good athlete. Um, and like we said, listed as a wide receiver right now, he could play, honestly, a few different positions if he really wanted to, but he was primarily a wide receiver. Um 
but he was also really good with spe- in special teams, which is something that you want from like an undrafted guy like this. And like we said, that wide receiver room is wide open. So we'll see if he factors in. Um, he's for sure going to have to impress on special teams first and firstly and mostly um, to, I think, even have a chance at making this roster. Mm-hmm. But definitely a name to keep on an eye on in the preseason and one that I'm I'm happy to see back in the Pacific Northwest, um, even if even if he doesn't end up making the making the team, it's cool to see him wearing the uniform at least for a few weeks. Yeah, totally agree. And I think again, could be a practice squad player too. Could be, and kind of the theme of the draft and our undrafted free agent or undrafted um, rookies here. Position versatility. I mean, he yep. played some running back, played some wide receiver definitely factored in on the special teams for Stanford. So, you know, if I'm sitting here looking at players that might be able to, you know, are on that fringe outside looking in, if he can contribute on special teams, not necessarily as a kick returner or punt returner, but coverage units. Like a gunner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people have made, you know, look at someone like a Ricardo Lockett, like not really a wide receiver, didn't do much for us receiving the ball, but, his contributions as a gunner on special teams were priceless. And so mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like he has a really good shot at making the roster, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I, I think we've all said it, he, he's got to impress on special teams if yep. he's going to do it. Like he's got to, he's really got to own that part of it. I think um, first and first and most, uh, but we'll see. I'm I'm excited to have him in the, in in the squad and the potential for for him possibly in the Seahawks. Um, let's see. Next wide receiver was Tamarian Terry. This is a guy that's like a true gunner. Like this is a guy that is. Yeah. Um, he's out of Florida State. A lot of people were kind of surprised that he didn't get drafted, um, and a lot of people's opinions that I respect, um, which I won't name names right this second. Cause I don't remember who I was reading, but I remember <laughs> being like, yeah, keep an eye on that. Uh, their, their, but their opinion is that he could definitely factor into this wide receiver room. Um, like we said, similar situation to Connor Weddington though, like he's going to have to impress on special teams. Um, but he's he's done it in college. Like he was a he was a gunner in college, and he was really really good at it. And he was also a returner in college too. So he could factor into that as well. Um, anything that you have to share about to Mary and Terry? No, I think just an interesting prospect. He's a little bit older of, too. Yeah, I think interesting prospect in terms of size, speed combination. Mm-hmm. He's tall, well built possesses pretty good straight line speed so you know i haven't watched any of his film or highlights or anything but based on you know draft profiles i think finding something to your point kind of surprised he didn't go drafted so yeah i think anytime you can bring someone like that in um undrafted is is always a good thing and you know Russ made a lot of noise this off season and what we brought in one, two, three, four wide receivers from the draft or signing out of college 
the fourth yeah, I think, being. I think even more than that. I just I just listed off a few here, but yeah. Yeah, fourth on our list is Cade Johnson. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about him? Yeah, I mean, a guy out of getting a smaller school, South Dakota State, but he won a lot of awards and put up some huge numbers for that FCS school, um, FCS school. Um, and a little bit of a smaller frame again. He's like 5'10", um, 180 or so. So he mm-hmm. probably needs to bulk up a little bit. Um, but for sure, um, another uh, another guy that I've heard was basically like they they were a little bit surprised that he wasn't drafted. He was probably he was widely regarded as like a sixth round guy. Yeah. Um, so could be a steal as well. Um, I don't know. I I never know what to. I know I never know what to make about a lot of these undrafted wide receivers just yeah. because we we've had six like ultimate success with a lot of them and then like some of them have just been complete duds um which yeah. I mean obviously like any success at all is a steal for an undrafted free agent um especially at the wide receiver position but you know we've had guys like Jermaine Curse and Doug Baldwin over the years you know like you see success stories like that and it's just mm-hmm. like and even seventh round guys that we have, we've had some success with, you know, like someone like David Moore, but then you also look at someone like John, John Ursua that like, we probably could have gotten an undrafted free agency, but yeah. we traded back into the draft to get him to make sure that we got him. And he's never really developed into anything, even though he had a bunch of hype coming in. Um, out of right. Hawaii. So I could see this, this one going like either one of those ways, either he's like not really going to ever amount to anything I, I, I will say one thing, and this isn't a very bold prediction. At least one, probably at least two of these guys are going to make the practice squad. Though. Yeah, you know, I think so. Possibly factor into the future. Like, the, like that wide receiver room, not only is it wide open, but a lot of these like younger guys that are factoring in are going to have short leashes. Um, yeah. So if, you know, a Freddie Swain or someone is not getting it done, I mean – they'll call up one of these guys from the practice squad and yep and plug them in especially if they're impressing on special teams so yeah and i think the theme here again with kate is three years of kick return experience like if you're going to be taking these later round receivers or undrafted wide receivers this is the profile that you want you want you know upside potential in the receiving game but immediate impact in special teams world and i think looking through these profiles it's we hit on a lot of them and i think to your point that's the fastest way on the field for these rookies is special teams i know we've been kicking the dead horse on that one Mm -hmm. but it's reality and so i think that's the exciting thing you know putting the you you feel a lot better about bringing people in with versatility with special teams ability rather than, you know, a wide receiver that was like a possession wide receiver kind of low draft grade, not really have any of that experience on special teams. That's like, well, let's see if he can develop and cut it on the field as a wide receiver, but he doesn't show much else outside of that where these guys do. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, I totally agree. One position that they didn't address in the draft that we thought that they possibly should is center. Um, but they did bring in a couple of interior linemen in the undrafted free agent pool. 
one of them being a very intriguing option at a, a center guard from Montreal. So he's from Canada. Pierre Oliver Lestage, I think is how you say his name. Um, and people think that he could compete uh, for the backup center role. So we'll see what in, again, obviously kind of a development project guy, but if he ends up beating out uh, Kyle Long, I think is the backup center right now. Um, so if he ends up beating him out um, and, you know, he develops a bit, maybe he develops into a pretty good player. I don't know. I still think that that position is, a, it'd be nice if it was addressed a little bit more than it has been, but it, yeah. by all means right now, it seems like we're rolling with Pol- Posick again is, is kind of what I'm seeing. So we'll see. Um, there was no other names that like caught my eye of the undrafted, um, signings that there were for sure, like a, a few other, um, a few, a few other offensive linemen. There was a defensive lineman in there for some depth. Um, and I think there was like a linebacker in there too. Um, just with kind of not knowing if KJ is going to be back and needing some depth at that position. So We'll see what, how these guys factor in. I'm sure one of the guys that we left off the list is going to end up blowing it up in the season <laughs> uh, or something yeah. like that. But absolutely, that's just that's just kind of how these things go. Um, one question I want to have, I want to ask you, Sam, before we move on to some of the Huskies that were drafted. Of all of these rookies that are coming in, who do you think makes the biggest impact year one? Dwayne Eskridge, I think. Yeah without a doubt i think he has the the biggest you know hole to to fill in that mm-hmm. third spot in the wide receiver rotation and i think he's just so electric with the ball in his hands that it's gonna yeah. be like i see it going one of two ways honestly and i don't think and i think both of them start with him getting a chance and getting a shot i think he possesses some of that mm-hmm. electrifying talent that he's going to get his shots in preseason and early in the season they're gonna put him on the field they're gonna script plays to get the ball in his hands and he's either gonna rise to the occasion and deliver and really kind of solidify himself in that spot or he's not and might fall down the depth chart for this year and you know take it as a learning year as a rookie and maybe come back and and show him some improvements down the road but on the list, he's the one that I think is guaranteed a legitimate shot at playing time off the top. And I think, you know, he's a second rounder. He's our first pick. So I think that's definitely part of it. But just from an ability and opportunity perspective on the roster, I think he's going to be given that chance. And I do think that he provides an element to the wide receiver room that we don't have. And so mm-hmm. I, I do think that he will kind of run with that yeah and i similar points to you i think i'll just sum it up with this i i think he has the highest floor of all of these guys yeah which i think typically is what you're looking at for like impact day one um so the the only other guy i think that's on this list that really probably even remotely could could compete um with Dwayne Eskridge possibly making an impact at possibly making an impact is Trey Brown. And it just depends on his opportunities and how the rest of the cornerback room shakes out. 
he's got a bigger hill to climb than Dwayne does for sure. Yeah. So, the only other one I would throw a hat in the ring for is Connor Weddington. Like I think yeah. whether it's Dwayne Eskridge or Connor Weddington, like that wide. You think I, you think special teams though, maybe more with Connor Weddington, or do you I think don't know. actual receiver? I I'm really high. I think Connor Weddington's a really good player. And yep. he battled. Why do you think injuries. he didn't get drafted? Was it just injuries, you think? Yeah, I think it was injuries, limited tape, especially because earlier in his career, early in his career at Stanford, he was splitting time between wide receiver and running back, kind of for the Husky fans, like Chico McClatcher was taking early in his career some handoffs, some fly sweeps, also running some routes. Then, you know, in the middle part of his career, he dealt with some injuries and then, you know, had some success in the past year or two at wide receiver, but I don't think that he had the consistent game tape at Mm -hmm. wide receiver that teams were looking for, but I think he has, I think he's got some ability to him. So I think Eskridge is going to get the first crack at it, but Weddington just for some reason, gut feeling that I have is one of the guys that I think could just really pop and flash. And it's just like, where did this kid come from? Yeah. So I think that's outside looking in chance of that happening, but you know, I think those are the three guys, Eskridge, Trey Brown, and then I think Weddington could also slide into the rotation as well. Be interesting to see for sure. And we'll actually have our preseason this this year to really kind of accurately gauge or somewhat more accurately gauge yeah. how some of these guys might impact on the field come the regular season. I'll just so, say it now. I'll be surprised if Weddington doesn't make the team. Really? That's that's how I feel. Yeah. I'll be okay. surprised if he doesn't make the squad. All right. I mean, what's our wide receiver depth at right now? I want to move on, but I just want to It's not it's not good. No, it's not. I just I need to look at the names in the room. And coming yeah, out of high school, yeah, Weddington Penny, was Penny Hart was the guy that was like yeah. regularly in the in the rotation of five, and I can't imagine any of these guys are worse than him. Yeah, um, John Ursu is obviously a guy that we talked about. Aaron Fuller, a familiar name to Husky fans, Ugh. but I don't think he's. <laughs> I would much rather have a lot of these other guys on the team than Aaron Fuller. Yeah, Aaron so Fuller here's was was practice. He was a practice squad player last year, I think, right? Yeah, here's the difference between Aaron Fuller and Connor Weddington in my mind. Weddington is a freaking football player. Like coming out of high school, people weren't sure if he was going to be a wide receiver, a running back, a safety. He is a tough, blue-collar, hard-nosed football player. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I'm running a football team, there I have always got an open spot for someone like that. Mm-hmm. Aaron Fuller, not so much that way. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I'm looking at some of the names on our roster right now. And this is with Wayne Eskridge. And it's like, yeah, Penny Hart, John Asua, Cody Thompson, Darvin Kidsey. Like, yeah. Weddington, I, again, I will be shocked if he doesn't make the team. Yeah. And most of that is because yeah, I right. obviously think highly if he, of him. If he, beats, if he beats out Penny Hart, he probably makes the team, man. Like, that's yeah. what he's got to do. He will. So, because I, I think you probably have four guys that are like almost penned in like almost ink as far as making the, making the roster with DK Tyler, Dwayne Eskridge and um, Freddie Swain. Yeah. 
So it's really that fifth wide receiver. And if they keep six, just kind of depends on numbers and stuff. They could keep yeah. six, but typically they only keep five. Um, so, I mean, I know a lot of guys, like a lot of people love John Ursua, but he's never done anything. So it, John Ursua, Penny Hart are kind of probably the favorites right now for that fifth spot of guys that are returning. Um, and Penny Hart was getting nods over John Ursua just because of his contributions on special teams. John Ursua yeah. doesn't factor into special teams. These guys are going to factor into special teams. So they really got to beat out Penny yeah. Hart. That's essentially how I see it. Yeah. She'll be interesting. That's definitely like, it, that's going to be one of the things that I'm definitely watching the most in, in preseason, I think, is that wide receiver battle. So. All right, as we transition to Husky talk, uh, we will talk about the spring game, but real quick, just want to touch on the pro our new pro newest pro dogs, I should say. Um, obviously, Joe Tryon to, went to the Bucks. We talked a little bit about that um, in our YouTube live event. Yep. Uh, he was the last pick of the first round. Chug some beers. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we were pretty we were pretty pretty late at that point, I think. So I yeah, don't remember that part of the conversation, but. <laughs> we i don't think we had anything too bad to say about him um <laughs> i think it's a good landing spot for for joe though I, and um obviously we have vita vea there on that defensive line already so joins up another another pro dog and um i mean i i think the 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 sky's the limit for joe as far as the upside his upside's massive i think his floor is also pretty damn low though and yeah the one thing that i'll say is while he ended up being a first round pick, he really only put up stats in about three or four games in his college career. Yes. Like the, all this, potential, all of this upside is coming off of about three or four games in his college career. So he's a big bet. And I don't blame a lot of the draft analysis dudes that are saying that's like an F grade for that pick. Um, but it could for sure, like they could have shit on their face, you know, in a, I, a couple of years. So F is a little harsh. I mean, he was a late first round, early second round grade from everyone. Yes, but like, should those grades be the case, like with the the production that he had in college? Like, obviously, the upsides there were just with the athlete that he is, the size that he has, like. Um, it, I mean, it, the, the tape that he showed in those three games was phenomenal tape. Yeah. But any measure of consistency, you've never seen it from Joe Tryon. So that's all I'm saying. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So, yeah, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to think the same way. I think I, I do think he'll develop into a pretty good pro. I don't know if he'll ever really be worth the first round pick, honestly. I, but I, it, I could see him being like, Similar career to like a Bruce Irvin, which yeah. I think is a is a solid NFL career. No, he'll probably get um, a Super Bowl ring next year, so that's yeah. good. He'll be sitting pretty, and yeah, thanks, that's, Tom. It's a really good landing spot for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next guy to go is Levi to the Lions. Poor Levi. Um, I think he'll do well. I don't think the Lions are going to do well. <laughs> That's about all I have to say about that one. Yeah, I think, you know, the only other thing I would mention on that pick is he is going to a team with a defensive-minded head coach, Dan Campbell. So Sure, he's going to bite some kneecaps. He's going to, you know, chomp, chomp, get after those kneecaps and, you know, 
I think Levi is going to be a long time NFL player. I, he just, yeah, he's a, he's the, the antithesis of what you're talking about with Joe Tryon, like sure. talk about consistently putting it on tape yep. position, versatility, playing over the, you know, playing at the nose position. He was going to have position. a massive year last year. Like if he had, if, yeah. if he had played and we had had a normal year. Yeah, no so COVID. disruptive, so athletic. I think he didn't he run like a four eight. Sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. moving for a 300 pounder. And mm-hmm. you know, again, I echo your sentiments in general. Like if I'm getting drafted, I don't want it to be Detroit. But <laughs> Detroit's not gonna kill him, not gonna kill his career. Whether it works out for him there or somewhere else, he's gonna hang around for a while, I think. Yeah, and I know Danny Shelton was there last year. I don't know. I I know he's a free agent though, so I don't think he resigned there. But yeah, he got. I think um, he signed somewhere else. And same, True Trufant was there last year too, but he ended up going to the Bears. I'm trying to think if there's any other pro dogs on the team. Hunter Bryant just got cut by yeah. the Lions. So I think they're all gone. Danny Shelton just signed with New York Giants. Okay, man, they there's some pro dogs on the Giants now. I know. Might have to watch them this year. Yeah. Uh, my father-in-law will be happy about that. So Pettis and Ross and Shelton. Yeah, we'll see if they all make the roster. I'm more worried about Pettis and <laughs> Pettis and Ross making the yeah. roster. We'll Shelton see. is going to make the team. Yeah, he will. Uh, next guy was Eli to the Titans. Elijah Molden. I love this one. Po- possibly the steal of the draft at number 100 in my in my mind. But yeah, and a little biased. And again, same comments here besides the fact that Tennessee is a much better landing spot than Detroit, Mike Vrabel, defensive minded head coach. Mm -hmm. It's a, you know, pound the rock time of possession, play good defense style ball club and molding at 100. Holy smokes, man. That is a (laughs) steal. I think, you know, hit people got scared off by his 40 time. The rumor mill is saying that he was pretty dinged up and not healthy to run it, but, Man, Molden was probably the best player on the field his last two years on campus, both sides yeah. of the ball. Yeah. And if you're looking at that cornerback depth chart, I mean, he's going to factor in from day one for sure. Yeah. he Whether it's they corner. Have, they have Janoris Jenkins oh. at left corner. Um, he's almost for sure going to start. Caleb Farley was their other draft pick, I think, right? Like he's a, um, I'm not sure. Let me, I'll look. Yeah. yeah. First rounder. Yeah. Out of V tech. So he's, I mean, he's the, he's the guy that struggled with injuries. So we'll see. Gun- What's that? Sorry. Gun to your head. Caleb Farley or Elijah Molden. I mean, you know who I'm taking. I'm riding with Elijah all day. Yeah. Like, and the thing that you just can't teach is this, his smarts, like his football IQ is just off the charts, right? His tackling ability for a defensive back is Buda Baker. Like, Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, that's, it's pretty good defense that he's walking into. Um, they got some talent on that defense. I'm just looking at some of the names. Yeah. I mean, I think this is such a great, it's such a great win-win situation. Tennessee, you know, 
already has a really good defense. They're not in a place of desperation where they need him to play right away. Mm-hmm. So that's a great place. If you're Elijah, there's not a huge expectation on your shoulders. If anything, there's a chip on it because you got drafted number 100 instead of top 45, like he probably should have been. Right. And, and then he is their starting slot. Like if they, if they play nickel, yeah, uh, they're, they're typically a three, four defense though. So like, we'll see how much they play nickel, but if he's, if he, if they have three corners on the field, he's on the field. Like yeah, for sure. So. And they're, and I think they're probably going to give him a look at safety too. Yeah. I mean, he played a little bit of that at UW. Yep. Um, Miles Bryant play, probably played it a little bit more than he did. Like he did. kind of in there. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Just eight. He's just, he's, he's too good and too smart to keep off the field, man. Like he, he just plays football the right way. And it, I think I said this in um, the YouTube live event, just like he was the um, end of 2019 and obviously all of 2020, but like the last like two or three games of 2019 from there on, he was the best player on the field every damn game like yeah. every game and it wasn't even close like it like maybe it was close but um I don't but i mean so. it, it was it was noticeable noticeable like he he made that much of an impact and just like your eyes went straight to elijah molden like on, on whenever the huskies were on defense so i can't say enough good things about elijah super pumped that he's in he got drafted in the nfl definitely i i mean a little biased but i think he should have landed higher um, but he does find a good good team to to land in a good situation to land in the Titans. So we'll see what happens. Uh, do you think he has the highest upside? I think Joe probably has the highest. Joe, upside, yeah, guys, but... Joe has the highest upside. Levi probably, in my opinion, has the lowest floor or you the might, highest floor. You mean rather. highest floor? Yeah, yeah, highest floor. Yeah. Um, but Elijah Molden's might have, Elijah might have the longest career, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he plays a position that is going to have a longer career just by nature. Right. And I just can't get over the fact that they got him at 100. I mean, you look at some yeah. of these more obscure, like advanced stats from his time at UW. Like, I think, you know, he was a PFF loved him too. Yeah. And he played all four years mm-hmm. and he never gave up a touchdown of more than 20 yards, like, just mm-hmm. never gave up explosive plays his missed tackle percentage is like extremely low. It's just, I don't, he's such a good player. Really, really a good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he, what he does. Um, Titans are kind of a little like low key, a little bit, my AFC team just in ever since they drafted locker. Yeah. But, um, and they had like Sankey like a few years after that too. Yeah. Um, so I I just have like a little bit of an affinity to the Titans, um, but I'm not obviously like super like Titans fan or anything like that. I'm still rolling with Miami, all gas, no breaks, baby. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely. I mean, that's so cool that those two are um, are teamed up again down in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think Miami's rolling with them. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It, Softy just had interviews in back to back weeks with both of them too on his radio show, and they were. They were like hanging out 
both like they were both hanging out like down in Miami, like while the interviews were going on. So like when <laughs> he interviewed Gaskin, like Sylvan was there and they like they were like kind of like talking shit, giving each other shit and stuff yeah. back and forth. And then when he was interviewing Sylvan the next week, um Gaskin was there and they're hanging out in like their apartment or something like that, I think too. So that's funny. awesome. Um and then the last guy that we had to talk about here is Keith Taylor. Uh, uh, got dropped by the Panthers. Um, and fifth round, I think, is where where he ended up going. Um, which I think is, I mean, again, obviously we're biased, but I think a lot of us thought that he might be like in the third round. Probably uh, we probably thought he would be picked right around where Elijah was picked. Yeah. Um. Keith is, I mean, he's got it. He's got the size and like the skill set to be an every down starting outside corner in the NFL. Um, I wouldn't say his upsides, like his upside is probably like he could make like a couple pro bowls. Maybe. Um, I don't think he's ever really going to be like an all pro player. Yeah. Like he, I, he the, the thing that he's just never done is he's never gotten like the interceptions like he's never turned the ball over he's a really good cover corner and that's Um, part of the problem is he just he really wasn't tested a whole lot in his entire career yeah yeah he had a down year in 2019 Mm -hmm. but like it wasn't one of those things like i I don't want to draw the conclusion or like get our listeners thinking that he has bad hands because i don't really remember too many dropped interceptions either sure there, there is an art to that though, as a cornerback, just as far as like yes, reading a guy or just like reading like a quarterback's eyes. Like there's, there is that element to it Very that true. possibly scouts are thinking that he has never really showed, at least in college. So, yep, I think that's totally fair. Um, I'm excited to see what what he could do in the NFL at at this next step, though. He he was having some pretty good spring or uh, sorry, Senior Bowl practices. And then I think he kind of struggled a little bit in the game, um, but he was having some. He was was impressing in the practices. Um, so I I don't know what that amounts to, but he's he's for sure had some eyes on him over the past few months since since UW ended their season prematurely. So yeah, I think he's an upside pick potential there um, yeah. to develop and into getting something him in the fifth than... round. I mean, the Panthers yeah. have to feel pretty good about that. I think so. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to cover before we transition to spring game and just kind of spring practice review for the Huskies? Nope. Let's, let's go. Who stood out to you at practice, baby. <laughs> so yeah, I, I attended the spring game. It, first off, it was, I mean, that was, that was fun, man. That was, it was really cool to be back in Husky yeah. stadium. I know that you went to a few of the practices, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not like it, it was definitely different. Like there's only, you know, they say 9,000. It was probably closer to like five or six, honestly, thousand people there. Um, so, I mean, some empty stands, but still cool to hear a little bit of the fans, like, you know, kind of like collectively reacting to a play on the field and just obviously just being in Husky stadium again and watching live football. Um, I thought Jimmy Lake just did a really excellent job all spring with engaging yeah. with the fans and trying to get them back in the building, trying to get them excited and get this momentum train back going. You know, I mean, I think Sam, you've noted a bunch of times, just like 
how hard it's been for Jimmy Lake to keep this momentum going, how many obstacles he's had to overcome ever since he's been named the head coach at UW. Yeah. And he's doing the best that he can with the cards that he's dealt at this point. And I can't commend him enough for, for the environment that he created at that spring game. And hopefully, um, I mean, he wants to, he wants it to be like a sellout crowd every year. Like, and I mean, I don't know if that's really realistic, but, but I mean, he wants it to be as big as it can be. Like that's, mm-hmm. the, that's, that's the sum of it. Right. He, it, even if, if that amounts to 20,000, 30,000 people, like that's still way better than any spring games that we've had in the past, as far as attendance wise. And that would be way better than any other West coast football team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're, you're talking about like, there's a, there is a name few college football teams that get that many to a spring game and they're all located in the Southeast corner of the country. Yeah. Um, for the most part. Um, so if we're able to get to that, like kudos to Jimmy Lake, that's, that would be awesome. And, um, with the way that they held this, I could see people being that intrigued. Like, I mean, especially if this team is good this next year, like there's, there, there are lots of reasons to be excited about Husky football Yes, and fans, I think realize that and they'll realize it more after the product kind of really displays it on the field this fall. Um, and obviously once COVID is kind of not as much of a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, so uh, again can't can't say it. it was it was just cool to be back in the stadium again really happy that i was able to attend the spring game with a couple of buddies um and sit in the 300s nosebleeds and just watch some football um as far as guys that stood out let me just kind of go like position group by position group so quarterback dylan morris like f- like for sure far and away the best quarterback that we have on the roster right now as far as just like if you're starting if if Montana game, Michigan game is tomorrow. Dylan Morris is your starter. Yep. Um, and I don't think that comes as any surprise to either of us, um, but he's definitely just a, a peck ahead. The, I will say that Patrick O'Brien was the guy that a lot of writers have been talking about this spring as giving Dylan Morris a little bit of a run for his money. I didn't see it as much, at least in the spring game from – from my perspective, people still said he did well in the spring game. I didn't get that sense. Like I thought his throws were kind of off. I didn't think he looked that comfortable. Um, Honestly, I thought Heward looked even a little bit more comfortable than he did, or at least just like, and I'll say this, the ball out of Heward's hands. Uh Different. Remember what I was telling you? I was saying I could close my eyes Mm -hmm. when the ball's being released open my eyes at mid flight and I could tell you if he were through the football or not. Yeah. It's that dramatic of a difference. Like he, he has an NFL caliber arm talent just in the the trajectory that he throws with. It's just, it is so obvious. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that he's going to be our starter this year. It doesn't mean that he's going to be, you know, a world beater this year or even next year, but like, yeah the canvas you're working with with number seven is different than anybody we've had in a long time yeah for sure like the the ceiling is so much higher with a talent like his yeah of not only the offense but just where the team could go yeah Um, i'm glad you picked up on that too for me it was like just so such a it's obvious like i mean i like his deep balls were so much prettier. He grew, he, he throws those with such great anticipation too. It's not just the flight of the ball. 
it's it's the timing of when he throws those it's like before like the second break out of the receiver's route he's throwing yeah. that dead to the spot that it needs to be yeah and he was really close on a couple connections on deep balls they were definitely making a concerted effort to give him some deep ball shots yeah um, and it, we'll we'll talk about this more but they were definitely running a vanilla offense game plan like for sure and the offense for the for the most part struggled against the defense i mean not surprisingly i don't think to either samurai defense is one is really really good and then two you're just not seeing the full offensive playbook um it's a very limited playbook and they obviously just don't want to show a lot on tape to uh other teams um since since the events televised um but yeah i mean just just going back to heward like it it's it's just it's it's different it's it's noticeably different the way that he plays quarterback that being said he very much still looks like a freshman out there yeah um, and uh some weird snap things uh, you know not sure if he got guys lined up the right way on a couple plays um timing was a little bit off on a couple other plays uh definitely got a little bit flustered in the pocket a couple times um they gave him a chance to kind of come down and try to win the game for the gold team um and i was i was happy to see jimmy put him in that situation they were obviously trying to kind of leverage stuff to try to like you know put put these some of these young guys in some situations to kind of test them and he was having a great drive honestly and then he fumbles the ball kind of on a scramble drill um and so he, that's just a, that's a teaching moment right there. He's got to tuck that away. He was kind of holding it like Mike Vick and he's not Mike Vick, even nope. though he can, he can move. Okay. But not like Mike Vick. No. Um, so he's just not that type of quarterback. So it, it was, it was overall just, I mean, some good, some bad from the quarterback room. Dylan Morris definitely had the most good and just most consistency out of all three, um, four guys, I guess, technically that we saw, but um, three that really matter. Um so I, at this point, I'd still be pretty surprised if anyone unseats him this year, but, you know, falls a few months away and there's definitely room for growth for both, both, both other guys that could factor in this competition. So, yeah, I'm in the same boat there. I think Dylan Morris is for sure your starting quarterback right now, but, and I agree, there's been some media hype around Patrick O'Brien. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I, so it just if I, anybody's gonna give Morris maybe they're seeing something that i'm not but i don't know i, I just don't but i mean i went to three it. practices and i didn't see it yeah and I he mean, definitely didn't show it in the spring game like he, yeah. he had one very nice pass to like devin Culp at one point but that was like it yeah and i don't think he's bad like i think he's a solid backup quarterback but yeah i don't see somebody that's gonna beat out dylan morris but no he would on the other hand that could <laughs> yeah. happen yeah <laughs> if it's he just gets how some quick, of the how quickly can he adjust to this it, he's definitely still adjusting the speed of the game he's yeah. still definitely learning the playbook obviously um he hasn't even really like truly um experienced college yet i yeah. mean that's still around the corner like there's just there's still like a lot of obstacles in his way as far as just like getting used to this new routine and damon heward's even been quoted saying like he would benefit from a red shirt year which of course yeah. he would um and he needs to get bigger too like he's i mean he's a yeah. twig out there like he needs to put on 10 to 15 pounds so um 
for sure the upside is massive like it and it way higher than dylan morris it's just um it's not really a matter of if it's just a matter of when yeah and i i after seeing him this spring he's just he really is gonna have to overcome a lot in a few months to be able to unseat yeah i'm at starter and dylan morris i i I think it's just it's 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 gonna be tough but i think what i see happening you know originally pre-spring ball and i know we've been rat holing on on the quarterback here but it is the hot topic for the off season but we'll Mm -hmm. move along here in a minute but the last point i'll make is i know i've been obviously super high on sam heward and i have been saying that i thought that he would be our starter going into the big house against michigan yeah i'm more leaning towards what you're talking about here i think morris Mm -hmm. is going to be your starter at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. but i'm not ruling out the trevor lawrence path either sure if you can go back to his freshman year you know kelly bryant was the starter and returning from i think either a new year six bowl or maybe they lost in the first game of the playoff the year before with kelly bryant as the starter Good quarterback, though. Good, really good quarterback. And he started the year as Clemson starter. Trevor Lawrence came in in some cleanup duty. And then mid-year, they kind of realized, like, Lawrence has got his feet under him, and he gives us a better opportunity to win the big games down the road. So they made Mm -hmm. the switch in, like, week five or week six. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility either. Because I just – I think Dylan Morris is really good at managing the game, being the on the field leader and making the plays on third down, fourth down, whatnot. Mm. But if anything that I've seen from Dylan Morris is he is not the big play guy. Like he is a limited quarterback at this point. Yeah, like he cannot not gonna... connect on the deep ball. He just right. can't. Yeah. And I think if Heward can do all the other things well enough, the upside of having that, take the top off the defense is mm-hmm. something that where too you intriguing would, you would unseat someone to to bring that element to the game so sure i'm probably backing off of my prediction a little bit from what i've seen but it'll be fun to watch for sure and we're in a great position i think that would be ideal too because then dylan morris isn't transferring you have two legitimate starting caliber players in my mind yeah at least this year he would transfer in the offseason but yeah. Like he wouldn't transfer, he wouldn't transfer mid season. So yeah, you have, you have your two starters and unless they do it week four and then, you know, you got the four game rule. That's what happened sure. with Kelly Bryant. But yeah. anyways, go to get your thoughts there. How about let's, let's lump the skill position on offense together with running backs and receivers. What did you see? Yeah. For running back, um, Cam Davis was kind of getting a lot of the, the, first team reps i guess like he uh, like and that was like throughout spring yeah um i think a lot of that was because sean mcgrew and kamari pleasant just they kind of knew what they had in those guys so they were trying to give some reps to some of the younger guys the elder statesmen (laughs) um so those are proven commodities there uh kamari pleasant and sean mcgrew uh look the same (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna look the same yeah yeah, not not super impressive but they can get the job done in certain scenarios and again like we've stressed on this podcast probably your best pass protectors yep if you're talking about running the ball richard newton looked the best 
which I love to see. Yep. He had a very, very impressive touchdown. Um, and a very impressive, uh, he was very impressive on another drive as well. I think it was um, that same drive you were talking about where Sam Heward at the end of practice, I think it was yeah. Heward and Newton really just one, two punching it. Yeah. Down and the they field. got to about midfield or so. And then Sam turned the ball over, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, he was really leading that drive and Sam connected on a couple of passes on that drive too. That looked pretty nice. Uh, he had a third down conversion, I think too. Um, but yeah, if you're talking running backs, it, I mean, if we're going back to 2019, I mean, Big Dig Newton was the tailback that we wanted to see, right? He's got it in him. He's got and it in him. He looked, he, he had a little bit of an extra burst, like then, especially of what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. He looked a little bit slow and like sluggish last year. And then obviously he only played in two games. Um, and there's rumors amongst the you know elders about that but um i think i think if he can put it together and be suited up and be active on game day he's he's probably your your best running back right now as far as just like running the football so yeah i'd agree and i think the main takeaway there again is addressing those rumors and i think there's you know those rumors are valid he's been in the doghouse or nagging injuries or whatever it's been he just hasn't been himself but to see him pop out like he did in the spring game is a great thing to see and he's a bit of a gamer too which again is kind of like one of those those things that you can't really teach um he just tends to you know get a touchdown when we really needed it back in 2019 or you know he had that big touchdown run last year um uh that was against Arizona. arizona Yeah. yeah um he just he tends to kind of show up in some big moments a little bit and or third like and short get those hard-earned yards yeah. for you obviously he's a little bit more of a physical back um this all being said i'd still really like to see what cam davis could do as kind of an every down back um i don't think he'll get that opportunity this year but yeah his talent just intrigues me especially just as a catcher out of the backfield and kind of like you know that yeah. that that check down option for a quarterback moving on to receiver. Um, didn't see a lot, they, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They, well, they really struggled all spring. Um, they did. those are the reports that we were getting. There's flashes, you know, there's flashes. Uh, I will say Jalen looked pretty good. Um, you mean Mr. Polk or no, McMillan McMillan. Yeah. Okay. McMillan Polk didn't play. Oh, he didn't. Mm-mm, he didn't suit up. Interesting. Um, so I, I think I think he's going to factor in right away based on what I was seeing in the receiver room. Like, I think Jalen Polk like could be a contributor from day one. I'd be yeah. surprised if he wasn't on the field. Um, if you're looking at the true two freshmen from last year, still technically freshmen this year, and Jalen Millen and Roman Dunze. Uh, Don't forget Sawyer. Sawyer. So, so, Sawyer looked good. He looked pretty good, man. He had a couple nice catches. He just, he's just such a fucking huge dude. He looks middle. so um, big. Yeah. You can and mistake he's, him he's as put a tight on, end. He's put on weight too, like and good weight though. Like he's he, thick though. He's thick. Yeah. And I think he's gonna factor in um as well. Rome is so frustrating because um he will have like 
two plays that you're just like, damn, like, yes, like that is what I want from my number one receiver. Yeah. And then he will drop a third and three slant. Like Heward had a freaking, no, it wasn't Heward. It was Morris had a freaking dime on third down in tight coverage, like between like two guys, put it right on his hands and it goes right through his hands on a third Can't down it. too. It's just like, so it, when I first saw it and I, I had to watch the replay to really actually see like what happened. But when I first saw it, I thought it was just like off the mark, but Morris put it right where it needed to be. Like yeah. it was between two guys. Um, I mean, he missiles it in there. I will say that like, going a little bit back to the quarterback comp like competition. The one thing that frustrates me a little bit about Morris is his ball is just not the most catchable for receivers. Yeah. And I think it directly relates to some of the receivers struggles, um, especially with drops. So that's just something to keep our eye on. Mm -hmm. We saw it a little bit in 2020, but we're going to see more opportunities just within a more expanded offense in 2021. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see what they could do. They definitely have a lot of upside in that room. And you can tell some of these guys are getting open deep. Um, McMillan, it, it, it's, for sure. Yeah, yep. And and Morris missed him again um, on one of the drives, earlier drives in the in the spring game. It's just it's it's frustrating because they don't seem to be very consistent, though. Like the receivers, yeah. which I think is just a young young player trait. Hopefully, they can you know get that taught out of them, or just like an, I don't know, it, it's just an effort thing or what. But um, it's not really like that they take plays off, but they just kind of like don't really engage in some other plays, I guess, like as as fine tuned as others. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's my biggest harp on the wide receiver room is more than anything. It's just consistency. I just want to uh, we don't have to have anyone that's like a Devonte Smith or some shit like, yeah. like I'm not look, I'm not looking for like a Heisman type candidate there. I'm looking for consistent production guys that you can rely upon whenever you need a third down catch someone like puka basically right womp womp yeah yeah no but i think you're you're you kind of were alluding it to to it there around the consistency thing and going mm -hmm. back to our conversation with the quarterbacks just how different the ball trajectory the timing of the passes between the different quarterbacks yeah. And just all the different rotations, the ball's coming from a different player all the time. Like, I think there's definitely an element of that as well. Like mm -hmm. when you're catching a ball from Heward, it's probably coming in maybe a little bit slower and it's prettier and maybe you're expecting a heater from Morris. And I think there's, yeah. you know, you know, for a baseball analogy, sometimes you're getting a change up. Sometimes you're getting the fastball. That's like a duck, you know, and, Morris makes throws the hard. ball like it's a baseball too. Like he does. And so I think there's I give some leeway to the wide receivers. I think as yeah. we get into the fall and there's a little bit more consistency with the ones playing with the ones, hopefully we'll see that improve. But tantalizing talent without a doubt. Yeah. And just to name like a couple other guys, Taj Davis got a lot of run yeah. too. He looked pretty good. Um, so some of it someone that took last year off and we'll see what he can bring. Um, and then uh, obviously Terrell Bynum, um, was out there quite a bit and it looked fine. Didn't get a lot of opportunities, but I think he, he's definitely going to be one of your more reliable receivers this year. Yeah. I think he's been getting the senior treatment, much like yeah. Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant, like right. known quantity 
he's going to be the same. You know what you're going to get. So I don't think, you know, I, that was my takeaway in practices as well. Like yeah. He was there, but it didn't seem like he was high rep count or, you know, a focal point. I, w- I really want to see what Jalen Polk could possibly do with some of the ones. He wasn't getting a lot of um, run with the ones this spring. I think a lot of that was just, I mean, obviously kind of a new kid on the block, still yeah. learning the playbook. But with these next few months, and then obviously he's been he's a proven commodity with being a, a true freshman receiver last year at Texas Tech that got a decent amount of playing time. So yeah, um, I'd be interested to see what he could do in the Husky offense. Let's see, uh, tight ends, not a lot to talk about here. Kate Otten's just a freaking beast, though. Um, yeah. Just I mean, it NFL that one player. Hit, yeah, what else you want to know? That one-handed <laughs> touchdown was just crazy. I I didn't think that he caught it. Like he did, but then, I, but then I, yeah, but then I went back later and because they wouldn't show the replay in the stadium for that one for some like their replay thing was weird. Like some replay yeah. they were showing, some of them they weren't. Um, and that one they didn't, and uh, I thought it was because maybe he didn't catch it. But then I went back and watched it, and he definitely caught it. So that was that was unreal. He um, catches everything, man. Yeah, it's unreal. Uh. Devin Culp looked pretty good. Yeah, he did. Um, I I really it, he's so intriguing. Like he he could be pretty damn good if he can just like develop some more consistency in the like pass catching game. Um, because he's just he's an athletic body that's been a decent blocker for us in the past, but he just needs to kind of hone in his route running and his pass catching skills. And he did a little bit of that in the spring game, so that was good to see um mark redmond was out there a lot we didn't really see much opportunities for him especially in the passing game but all signs point to him taking the next step this year as well um didn't really notice anyone else i don't think westover was really out there very much um so no westover um, was injured from a lot of spring practice okay so yeah i didn't i didn't notice him out there so that's probably why uh offensive line they struggled um a bit against their defensive line more than i thought they would um there were definitely some pass protection issues and some communication issues most notably mj ulumu ale looked awful in pass protection especially i think Um, nate kalepo is going to push him for that left guard spot I kind of hope so, because if that's going to be our starting left guard, he's going to be exposed so quick. Yeah. Um, he, like, dudes were eating in for lunch every damn play. Um, so that was a little discouraging. I mean, especially just having, like, all five guys back. I just expected a little bit more from the offensive line. Yeah. Even even with a limited playbook, I just I, – I expected more. And Victor um, Kern, our returning right tackle, was out. Yes, yes, that is true. Um, so it, a couple little tweaks there, but um, overall, I was a little bit underwhelmed by the offensive line. Um, let's see, switching over to defense. Defense. The segue looked, there is defensive the defensive line, line really damn good. Yeah, looked really good. I think Tuli and Taimani. Tuli and Taki. Had... Goddamn, dude! They dominated all day. And the thing that I've liked seeing out of them this spring more than anything is the swag and like the leadership qualities they're developing. Like they are. Yeah. They play really well off of each other too. Yes. Like 
and they came in in the same class obviously like those those dudes have been bros since they like stepped foot on campus yeah um and so it'd be awesome if they showed out this year we've been i think they for it. i think they will yeah we've been kind of waiting for it like it was kind of supposed to happen last year but um 2020 Tuli was hurt last year yeah i mean last year just doesn't really count in my mind but yeah this year is last year basically for them right and that like it that was supposed to be their year and now this is supposed to be their year so really hope that those two take the next step they could be the best like defensive tackle combination that we've had since vita and greg Gaines. Um, yeah they could so um, they both have nfl potential yeah they definitely do i don't know if they'll have quite the like i mean vita was just otherworldly his senior year so yeah i mean you're talking about arguably one of the best defensive linemen in all of football right right now (laughs) so i mean that's that's a lot to live up to but just as far as a tandem like and how well Vita and Greg Gaines played off each other. I see that in Thule and Taki as far as just like the the potential there. So I'm excited about that. Defensive end, obviously, I mean, the big loss in ZTF, but there's some other dudes in that room, man. Yeah. Like Ryan Bowman, obviously, like a very proven commodity there. He looked really good. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Jeremiah Martin, the transfer, was active. He looked good. He's starting to really come on. He was – I was a little bit disappointed with him in the early practices, but, man, he started to gain some steam. Yeah, I mean, he's gaining confidence, you can tell, in this defense. I think he he needed to learn the defense, which he still is learning, I'm sure. Um, And just obviously with ZTF now, he's got a little bit more of a solidified, like, position in this defense now too. So – I think that's that's done wonders for his confidence. Uh, it, that's kind of your your guy, I think, to to keep an eye on as far as possibly taking that next step this year. Mm-hmm. Not really from our team, but just in his collegiate career. Uh, um, obviously, like Jimmy talks about, we weren't talking about ZTF at this time last year. Jeremiah Martin is one of those guys to to keep your eye on as far as like possibly taking that step that ztf did in 2020 and and showing out in 2021 yeah it's either him or the other person that's in that same category that i know yeah. you're excited to talk about oh man yeah braylon trice flashed bro like real he real nice is such a quick twitch player that we haven't had which so it, it's it's funny because they they talk about him jimmy has talked about him as far as like um, you guys weren't talking about ZTF last year. Like you could be talking about Braylon Trice, like, or you're not talking about Braylon Trice right now. Like that could be the player yeah. this year um, to take that next step. But I mean, the, the guy that like Akaika has compared him to is Joe Tryon and that he has yeah. higher upside than Joe. And Joe is just a first round draft pick <laughs> just so... to remind everyone. <laughs> so um, might be pretty good. Yeah. I, looks real nice out there man like he he's he's definitely a little raw still like you can mm-hmm. tell there's just like some uh, some discipline issues as far as just you know like making sure you're staying like on your assignment gap and everything but as far as a pure pass rush ability holy shit dude so athletic yeah i mean he was uh, we obviously had the um i think he was going against he might have been going against rosengarden a lot and he was eating him up quite a bit yeah at right tackle so um 
but he was doing that against Kern earlier in spring too. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure he like, yeah. Um, Savelle was a little bit underwhelming, but he did flash a little bit towards the end of the game. A couple also times. been injured a lot in spring. Yep. So hopefully that's just amounting to like, just maybe not being fully healthy. Um, but again, the point remains valid. You've got, even with, Layatu Latu retiring from a medical condition with his neck injury, ZTF with his Achilles out. You got four guys that I would be excited and confident having on the field. And then you got like someone like Cooper McDonald that played a little bit last year and even played a little bit. um, He played a little bit in the spring game. I didn't, he didn't, I didn't notice him too much. Um, The other guy to bring up is Jordan Lola. Hey, Lola. Hey, Um, um, someone that can't is coming back from his mission. So he's been gone for a couple years. Yeah. Um, number 51, I believe is, his his number. And he, he flashed a couple times as well. Another guy that I want to bring up at defensive tackle though. And I mentioned him to you. Yeah. Noah and Galu keep your fucking eyes on this dude. He looks a little bit like, um, Elijah Qualls. He does. Kind of. Um, and he plays a little bit like him too so disruptive like he was blowing up every damn play. he wasn't out there a ton but he was yeah. blowing up every damn play that he was out there he was definitely making the most of his opportunities um obviously Tuli and Taki are going to be you're probably starting to and like fi- sure. like Tua Tele is going to be like right behind Bandas. them as far as yeah like there's a loaded defensive tackle room uh, yeah our but, D tackle room is insane but he is going to factor into the rotation like he will get play this year and i don't know when it comes like maybe it's just in garbage time but like watch hit watch him while he's out there i don't remember what number he is but 92 look got, for the hair he's got hair yeah he's the one guy that has like long hair um yeah i that that dude stood out to me a bit and i was yeah that was, that was one of like the pleasant surprises like guy that i really wasn't super familiar with that flashed during the yeah i mean that defensive tackle room is stupid right now because you even look at the two freshmen that came in early for spring kua pehopa and voy tanufi both of them have flashed in the spring as well so i mean our defensive tackle room i think is six years yeah Yeah, man and i like how they have them in tandems like you were talking about with tuli and taki it's really their time when they move on it's going to be tuatele and bandes and then it's going to be pehopa and Tanufi Malloy has just stacked the cupboards, man. Yep. Yeah. He's done well there for sure. And now you got Rip Rowe in there and hopefully he's able to recruit well for the next couple of classes before he probably moves on to something bigger and brighter. Cause yeah. he's on the upper trajectory for sure. But um, I'm, I have no doubt that he's going to be able to recruit the shit out of some defensive tackles for the next couple of yep. years. How about your inside backers? Inside backers. Um, Eddie is fucking dominant. Dominant. Um, very, Did you very see good. PFF uh, rated him highest the graded. One. Yep, highest graded returning inside linebacker in the country. To PFF. Yep. That's that's Eddie, man. That's a he's walk that on good. right there. He's that good. Yeah, he's he is very very good. Um, Obviously, we have shit on Jackson Sermon a ton. Me in particular. (laughs) Um, Both of us have, dude. It's not just you. Um, And we, I, we've talked about a little bit. I, 
I think we got to give him credit, man. He looked, he looked pretty good this spring and yeah. he's really got to show it in a game for me to truly believe that he's turned a corner, but he looked way more confident, um, way more assignment sound and way more physical. Yes. Um, and I don't know who got in his ear this off season about that, but like the physicality standpoint really is what stood out to me. I think, um, he like he owned like one or two drives, like literally all three plays were him blowing shit up. Um, in yeah. the spring game, um, one drive in particular it was like a sack and then like a tackle right at the line of scrimmage. And then yep. I think he, he might've even had like a pass breakup or something like that on, on that drive as well. Um, so he balled out quite a bit in spring game, at least on, on a few drives that he was getting a ton of run in. Um, so I, at this point, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not your starting yeah, inside linebacker next to Eddie. Um, but that being said, I mean, he, he definitely has some intriguing options uh, uh, behind there. I mean, Haimuli looked okay. Um, didn't notice him too much out there, but I did. I, I saw him out there. He didn't really flash too much. Um, Calvert almost had an interception, but obviously he's leaving the program now. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Um and then uh, Tupatala, I don't think I really noticed him out there. Tafisi was out there for sure. Tupatala was on a scooter next to ETF, so I'm hoping okay, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, not an Achilles, but a broken ankle or something. But Tupatala is so. And well, and Jimmy, he Jimmy was asked after the spring game, are there any other like long term injuries to report? He said, we'll get to those, but no, basically. So yeah. there's guys banged up, it sounds like, and those guys were not in the spring game and not partaking, but um, it doesn't sound like any of those guys are out for the year or anything. They might be out for the beginning of the year, I don't know, but they they won't be out for the year. Yeah, which is good. In my opinion, Tupatala is the one that I've been the most high on in terms of potentially pushing Sermon, but again, to your yeah. point, I just want to make sure I get it out on the airwaves that I I'm throwing Jackson sermon a bone. He had a good spring. <laughs> yeah. He, he had a good spring. He's still got to prove it to us. I think to, yeah. for us to not completely shit on him, we'll try to keep it to a minimum between now and fall. But the minute that like he is getting absorbed by a blocker and can't get off a block in the fall, best believe sam and i are right back on the I'm shitting coming. on jackson sermon <laughs> yeah. train so yeah. um yeah definitely something to keep our eyes eyes on especially going into fall camp but i think that inside linebacker um battle probably isn't as competitive as we thought it could be yeah i agree um let's see where are we going now corner or safety which one do you want to hear about first um let's just tackle them all together as a defensive backfield secondary in general yeah very good (laughs) very very good Uh, real good they're gonna be good yeah they're gonna do okay um and very good for years a lot of the young guys flashed a lot um i think it was elijah jackson that had the pick oh yeah he's gonna be a good one he's gonna be a good one yeah and he's not even gonna play this year so um yeah uh trent didn't even play and they were they were so good um kyler looked good out there um let's see uh i'm starting with corner was it um what's that bookie bookie looked looked pretty damn good dude cam fab looked damn good too though cam fab is legit 
He's going to be tough to keep so off good. the field. I don't know how you do it, man. I like that's what I'm saying is like, do you do you slide Buki back to safety? Like, do you do you have him play more of a Miles Bryant safety, and you have Cam Fab more of like a true slot corner? Because Cam Fab is like the dude that like actually like like he blows shit up at the line. Like he yeah he is such a good tackler. He really and Buki is. can blow shit up, but he's a little bit undersized like for yeah. some of that stuff. And he's a playmaker. Like you definitely want him on the field. I, they're gonna have really some interesting decisions. Yeah, but then like let's hop to safety. Like who are you gonna play Buki over at safety? You're not. Yeah. I mean, Dom Hampton looks legit. He does. He did. He. I didn't notice him a lot in the spring game. I will notice. Like I will say that. Like as far as just playmaking ability, he stood out. Like because he's freaking huge. Like he yeah, looks like a like Donis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like that that body's incredible um but awkward pause (laughs) (laughs) i wanted that there i wanted that that was intentional i wanted that there um yeah no i mean dom dom looks special i i really i hope i hope he's i hope he's our starting strong safe i saw him in the practices that i went to i saw him make some pretty fantastic plays i think he's going to be really good he seemed to flash a lot more in the beginning of spring than he did later in spring yeah um and i don't know if that's just like a coincidence like opportunity type thing or um or what but or if just maybe he just really wasn't playing as well towards the latter half of spring but um it that being said he didn't stand out in a bad way either like mm-hmm. he didn't like get like beaten over the top or anything like that so um and he was fired up you could tell that like he's a vocal leader on that defense like guys are fired up around him and he's you know talking talking guys up and stuff out yeah. there so that's good to see um Mikel Steen looked pretty good um he needs to put on some just, weight like, but as far as like young guys um uh james smith looked okay out there as well um again these are just young guys that really aren't going to factor in this year um god i just oh dude jacoby covington yeah another one i mean we probably have a handful of nfl guys in the backfield right now yeah um another young guy but a young guy that like possibly could see the field this year like i like he looked that good he was he was a regular name called on yeah at the spring game and i mean you obviously have way more experienced guys ahead of him and you even have a julius Irvin ahead of him who looked pretty good as well mm-hmm. um and i've i've mentioned his name on the podcast before he's kind of the guy that i'm rooting for to start opposite of Dom Hampton in this in in the fall but um Jacoby Covington's someone to keep your eye on as well um can't really think of anyone else off the top of my head no anyone else stand out to your to you Asa no I I think you hit on the ones that stood out to me I think a couple other notes Asa Turner again he was on the scooter with his foot wrapped up as well so who knows what that was but he had kind of fallen down the depth chart anyways I think Cam mm-hmm. Williams is hanging around in the picture, but just Cam, been Cam, really Cam, inconsistent. Cam, yeah, Cam is probably honestly your favorite to start, um, possibly at free safety. Yeah, Alex but, Cook was injured all spring as well. I mean, yeah. dude, I'm telling you, like, here's NFL guys in my mind. Trent McDuffie, Kyler Gordon, no-brainers to me. Mm-hmm. I Buki think will probably be an NFL guy. Buki's probably going to be an NFL guy. And then... 
I think those are three guys that I feel pretty confident in. Then you're going mm-hmm. into some projecting out the young guys we've seen. Elijah Jackson is, I mean, the size, really speed, good, feel of the game. He looks really yep. good. He looks so comfortable out there too. I think he was the same guy that had like a PI called on him later. Yeah. No, that was that was a Steen actually. I think oh, he, he had really really nice coverage down the left sideline on a guy, and he got PI called on, and it was not P, like it was yeah. perfect coverage. Um, but anyway, sorry to interrupt. But. Yeah, I mean, there's four guys off the top that I feel pretty damn good about. Mm-hmm. I think you look at someone like Dom Hampton, Julius Irvin if they're able to kind of find their footing at the safety position, both of them mm-hmm. are NFL NFL bodies at safety. I mean, Jacoby is, I probably put him in the same category as Elijah Jackson. Like that guy, I mean, it looks like an NFL defensive back room just in terms yeah. of stature. And obviously they got to have it between the ears as well. Like the older guys do, but, Man, UW is going to continue to pump out defensive backs. Like it's not slowing down. On the note of uh, talking about Jacoby Covington, A Crop, our dude, A Crop Jr., just tweeted about 10 minutes ago. This isn't a hot take, but I think Jacoby Covington will be the next first round DB at UW after McDuffie. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Won't so, put it past him. No, not at all. So that he's, he looks special and obviously someone that we just like, we haven't seen at all, like until now. So as far as just like the fans actually getting eyes on him. So he's probably had that all along, but we just, we saw it um, a little bit more on display. So that was, that was cool. Um, I think that pretty much rounds out most of the, at least like position by position stuff. I don't know if you had any other like general thoughts about Husky football post spring but obviously some position position battles to watch going into fall a few of them um but uh they're gonna be good yeah be good i think they're gonna be really good we can just run through special teams really quick we don't need to sure spend too much time but peyton henry i think is gonna still be your place kicker especially within 40 45 yards looks really i will say i will say tim horn if like if we're trying to line up for a 50 yarder like right before halftime or right before the end of the game tim horn's your kicker there he's got the boot yeah Yeah. and i think you know punting wise race porter is probably Mm going to be the guy again race porter cracks me up dude did you see him like he was he was a holder um on like kind of the game ceiling kick um and so he holds the ball kick goes through and he starts waving at like the other sideline yeah. like like running down the field like just like a total like goof like it it, it reminded me a lot of john ryan like yeah. after he threw that touchdown in the nfc championship and did like the discount like double the, check yeah, yeah discount double check towards the packers sideline so he's got a little bit of that in him which just cracks me up yeah, and I think long snapper Jaden Green, outside of his first long snap of his career against Oregon State, yeah. he's been solid. He looked good all spring. And then yeah. in the return game, I think we have a lot of exciting options, whether it's McDuffie or Gordon or Rome doing punt returns, kick returns. You're probably going to see Cam Davis out there. Sean McGrew might be back there still. Um, but you have the electri- electrifying talent to – have some fun things in the return game. So I think special teams is going to be, you know, probably won't stand out, but in a good way, like an overly good way, but it's not going to stand out in a bad way either. I think we're pretty set. Yeah. 
it's really special teams coverage that we've always kind of been, I don't know, up and down on. And uh, so long as that kind of shores itself up a little bit, which it was better in the latter games last year. Um, But we've struggled with that in the past. So I just hope that that's better. Yeah. I think that's good on my end with Husky talk. I know we're getting a little long in the tooth on the episode, but we've got some exciting Mariners talk. So why don't you tee that up? Pun intended. Yeah. So essentially the, the Mariners uh, have struggled lately, um, especially in the offensive side of the ball. And so guy that we've talked about on this podcast, I heard somebody on the triple a Tacoma <laughs> might be pretty Ronnie good at hitting A's is like doing okay at hitting in the first couple of games. I'm not yeah, sure. Have you heard uh, about this person? Yeah. Um, none other than Jared Kelnick, uh, is set to be called up on Thursday as at per poor reports, multiple reports, many reports. Yeah. So <laughs> set, set, set to be um, on the roster on Thursday, whether or not he's going to debut that night. I don't know. I would think that they are, especially because the Mariners tend to be like total, like PR marketing blitz type organization where they're trying to get fans and seats. Yeah. So if he's getting called up for a Thursday night game that like maybe wouldn't have been sold out, it's against the Indians, like maybe wouldn't have been sold out in like normal circumstances, but they're like pushing, like obviously leaking to sources that they're going to call up Jared Kelnick for this game. So they're trying to get butts and seats like for that game. Um, But nonetheless, I think the kid's ready. Um, He's had, (laughs) you think he's, he's, he's he's been in triple a for, uh, exactly less than one week <laughs> <laughs> and uh he looks pretty good doesn't he <laughs> he's had multiple hits in every game um including two home runs in his first first game at triple a <laughs> uh so i'd say he's yeah tearing the cover off the ball a little bit and might be able to help a little bit bob yeah good idea bob <laughs> we should bring um, him up yeah so it, you can look at this two ways man i this shit frustrates me the hell out of me. And I don't, I don't want to make this a long winded answer. Cause I know you said that we're running late on this episode, but this shit frustrates the hell out of me. Cause it, it this just confirms all of our priors that we thought yes. about the entire situation that this was all about service time manipulation. Mm-hmm. That's literally all this was about. They gave him some triple A at bats. Cause the triple A season was delayed or minor league season in general is delayed. So they gave him a week down in triple A he was obviously fucking ready to go before that like should have been on the big league roster he should be your starting left fielder right now yes for the mariners um probably could have helped this this whole well i don't even care about 2021 dude like they're not going to compete this year but like as far as the point is like you play this whole development well and and you play the best players right like yeah you play to win the game you put your best players on the field um and this whole development angle was complete bullshit as far as yeah. like him him needing time at AAA. And I think part if, of him if they're just calling like... him if they are if they are ditching that idea and calling him up after five games just because he had a few multi-hit games, then they're like guns from the hip shooting, like trying to like, you know, come up with some bullshit plan. Uh, it's all bullshit. Like th- there's there's no way that that was actually the angle that they were 
no attacking this from this completely is service time manipulation so jared kelnick is like completely in his right to be absolutely fuming at the Mariners organization and we're set you know five years down the road to losing out on this kid whenever he's in his prime um because of the situation that the Mariners have presented at this point like this is completely as short-sighted as you can get um with building a relationship with your like pillars and foundation of your ball club yeah i mean a potentially generational talent here yeah and you're screwing with uh, him yeah obviously i'm like pissed off uh, about that but nonetheless i'm obviously super excited and pumped to see this guy in the big leagues and see what he can do in a mariner's uniform this is what we've been waiting for ever since they've been saying that they're going to kind of tear everything down and build it back up. This is just the start too. Like there's so many debuts yeah. that are going to happen this year and Jared Kelnick's the first, but you're probably going to see Cal Raleigh in a few weeks. You're going to see Logan Gilbert in a few weeks. Julio Rodriguez had a hell of a night for Everett down, yeah. down, down at high a ball. He's going to get like boosted up the ladder pretty, like he could be in triple a by the end of the year. Mm-hmm um george kirby george kirby and emerson hancock are both in high a everett like if you guys live close to everett go up to some high a games like before july because these guys are getting called up quick yeah you like go see some of these guys um and yeah there's a ton of talent on that high high ball club right now um but yeah i i can't say how excited i am about some of this talent that's coming up Albeit, like this Mariners team is struggling right now. They were winning against the Dodgers um, before, but I think that the Dodgers just took the lead like not too long ago um, in a game down in LA as we're recording this. Um, but anyway, outside, basically, your best hitters on the team right now are the pieces that you plan on possibly trading at the deadline in Hanager and Seeker. So, the rest of the team's not hitting. Evan White needs to go down. Um, yeah. And I think just the one thing that I'll call out there is I can already taste my whiskey, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With Kellenick coming up, ripping the you know, the cover off the ball the way he has been. And I mean, Hanniger's got a 25 RBI head start on him. But again, to your point, like if Hanniger gets dealt, I mean Let's go, Kellenick. Get me some whiskey, yeah. baby. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's it's it. If yeah, if Hander get gets dealt, then that's Hander and Seeger both have to get dealt. I think for him to have a legit opportunity. Oh, we'll there. see about that. But I mean, I don't. It, What's Seeger at? Seeger's probably at twenty twenty five. Yeah, I'd have to look it up, dude. I mean, the if there's one thing that Jared Kellenick has, it's confidence um, in himself. Yeah. So, um, let me just bring this up real quick. Um, but yeah, I think he's definitely got confidence in himself. And I think that's part of the reason he's been doing what he's done in just, you know, less than a handful of games at triple a is part of it's probably a middle finger to the Mariners being like, yeah, I'm going to show out down here and make you all look stupid for not calling me up on opening day roster, like a bunch of idiots. Yeah, Seager has 24 RBIs. Yeah. Okay. And then and then you dip down quite a bit, down to like 14. 
and that's Ty France. So, and that's doable. Kelnick will catch him. That's doable. So you have to count on both those guys getting dealt the hand at the deadline. But More let me injury. let me just real quick list out the av- the batting averages of your starting nine. Okay. Oh boy, let me take a sip of my whiskey. Hold on. <laughs> you might need to. Tom Murphy, <laughs> batting average one forty three. Evan White, good? batting average, 157. Not really. <laughs> Dylan Moore. Uh, second, let me, I guess. So catcher, Tom Murphy, 143. First baseman, Edmund, Evan White, 157. Second baseman, Dylan Moore, 156. J.P. Crawford has been coming on a little bit lately. Shortstop, 270. He's, he's your leadoff hitter for a reason right now. Third baseman, Kyle Seager. We talked about he was one of the few that's actually kind of hitting. He's only hitting 242, though. Left fielder, they right, right now they have Sam Haggerty as your starting left fielder. It's really kind of Taylor Trammell. But either way, you're both under 200, 194 and 157, respectively. Right fielder, Mitch Hanniger, uh, 258. Center fielder, Kyle Lewis, uh, now at 258. He was in the 100s uh, up until this last week. He's had a little bit of a hot streak. And then Ty France is your DH at 236. Not good, Bob. <laughs> awful bob like as <laughs> so bad um yeah so you can't think, think that kelnick's going to be any worse than that i'm really interested to see what they do like over the next couple of weeks as far as just like do they send evan white down like they they absolutely should he need he's never had a triple a at bat there's there's a guy that never had a triple a at bat but they were like oh he got a contract so he signed yeah. his contract so he can be at the big league club which is exactly what the whole controversy was that between behind this Kelnick thing is like he was basically in the same boat. Yeah. Um, Dylan Moore is like, I mean, he's a 28 year old dude. Like I don't, he's your starting second baseman right now, but he's at 156, man. Like can't have that. I don't know. I don't know if you DFA him. I don't know if he has minor league options left. Uh, all this is above me. Um, you could technically put Ty France out there at second base, but I don't know if I would love that. I don't know, man. This team doesn't have a lot of options right now um, until they start getting some of this talent up in the big leagues. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Well, Jared Kelenic is a good start. I'll say <laughs> that. For sure. And like we said, this is just this is just the start. Like there's going to be more call-ups. Yeah. Um, and there will I, I guarantee there's going to be at least two more call-ups before the all-star break. So two more yeah, within the next month. And totally on, on board with that. Um, cool. I think that's probably most of what we had to share tonight i know we 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 had talked about going through the the statistics and kind of re, revisiting that but we're already running pretty late and saying we'll save that for there. for when justin's on next so yeah we we'll drag when him justin's through the on mud next. on his picks yep for sure and we'll save the sounders stuff for for next week with justin as well we weren't planning on talking about that tonight but i will just say they are off to a blazing start so if you have not tuned into a sounders game yet do that Wednesday night is their next game against San Jose at 7.30, I believe, on Joe TV, Amazon Prime, whichever way you want to watch that. It's on both of those both of those services. If you don't even have a cable package, you can stream it on Lowcast for free. Mm-hmm. So if you've never heard of the Lowcast app, you can do that. It's just local TV basically for free. Um, and you can stream Joe TV through that. Uh, and they did just beat the rival Timbers on Sunday, two to one. A little bit of a controversial game, as they kind of always are, but it was a little bit of a sloppy game. Um, but, you know, all that matters is Sounders came out on top, on the road, 
uh, got a hard, hard fought win and Freddie Montero scored in that game too. So pretty cool. Cool. To see Smacking there. around little brother. Yeah, that's right. And at, if, if the season ended today, which it doesn't, it's stupid to even talk about because it's only four games in the season, they would be supporter shield winners. They are at 10 points over four games, three Oh and one. So they are technically undefeated this year. Very nice. Four games. Um, which a lot of people did not pick because uh, you know, they're, Lost, lost Jordan Morris and off, like some really tough opponents to start the year in Minnesota United, then LAFC, then LA Galaxy, and then the Portland Timbers. Those are all quality opponents that you wouldn't picture them being off to a 3-0-1 start. So about as good as you could hope for at this point. Definitely tune into that next match against San Jose, and then they play again, I think, on Sunday against LAFC again. So got a couple of matches this next week. Tune into the Sounders. Um, I don't know if I have much else to touch on, Sam. If you don't have anything, I'll send us off here. Let's send it. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already, and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. We love interacting with you guys and engaging with you guys. We got to do that a lot in the YouTube live. We'd like to do that more on the regular podcast. So leave us some messages there. Any comments and questions, we'll answer those on the next podcast. Until next time. Go M's, go Hawks, and go Dogs.